I'm going to open up by reading this scripture from Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 4. It says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. We're going to focus on that passage today. The whole Christian story, the whole Bible can be summarized in a simple way as God making old things pass away and him making new things come. God making broken things, taking them and restoring them, and God taking dead things and making them alive. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ we see. That Jesus came, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. He took on human flesh, fully God and fully man. He walked the earth with the same temptations as us. Fully human, fully God. Yet he walked this life in sinlessness. Absolutely sinless. He goes to the cross to pay for every one of our sins. Past, present, and future. They bury him. They murder him. Sinless, perfect son of God. And in three days, he rises from the dead to offer newness of life, a new way of life, eternal life, to everyone, each and every person who would put their faith in him as their savior. That's the gospel. Old things gone, new things have come, dead things buried, new things alive. I'm preaching on baptism today because we have a wonderful day where my friend, my brother in Christ, a member of this church, Ryan, is getting baptized today. We got that water. We got that water jacuzzi style in there. You understand me? First few years of this church, we were dunking them at 50 below, taking them out. They didn't have time to enjoy it because it was so cold in there. But I want us to focus on that aspect of baptism today. We're, we're identifying with Jesus. When we go under that water, and I want some of us to remember when we were baptizing. Some of us, I want you to be thinking about God's calling you to be baptized and walk in newness of life. But when we go under that water, it signifies that our old man, our old way of doing things, our sins are buried with Christ. That means that the Son of God's work on the cross was efficient. That yes, we were filthy, but God has washed us clean. That yes, we are sinners, but we have been saved by grace. That yes, we have fallen short, but the Son of God, Jesus Christ, did not fall short for one moment in his life. Amen? He perfectly loved. He perfectly glorified God the Father. He perfectly fought the fight for holiness. He perfectly thought about others before himself. He perfectly submitted himself to the will of the Father and he walked to that cross and said, not my will but thine be done. And because of that, that means that our old man is dead in the grave with Jesus Christ. But it also means that when we come out of that water, we rise to a newness of life in Christ. That we rise with Christ. The scriptures tell us to put on Christ. That all those who put faith in Christ, we receive his righteousness and we are in him. That when God looks down at us, he doesn't see our filthy sins. And maybe that's why some of us don't feel loved by God in our lives. Because we feel like, how could God love a filthy sinner like me? 
He can love us like that because when he looks down, he doesn't see our works. He sees the perfect works of the Son of God on our behalf, and he sees what one of my favorite pastors, Tim Keller, calls, he sees the beauty. He sees perfection. He sees us washed clean. He sees us forgiven. He sees our sins forgotten. See, sometimes we are tormented because we remember our sins. We know ourselves. We know our frailties. We know our fallen nature. And we can feel all those things that come with sin, which is shame and and guilt, and we want to hide. But what the gospel does, it allows us to be set free so we can walk in the newness of life where freedom is. And it says where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. And where the Spirit of God is, the name of Jesus is lifted up, his death and his resurrection. That's what we're going to focus on today. I want many of us, I want to ask you this question. Are you someone that holds on to the past and never wants to throw anything away and doesn't like change? Any of those Bostonians in the house? Is that all of us? When you follow Jesus, he calls you into new seasons. He calls you to meet new people. He calls you to walk in newness of life. He calls you to new adventures. He calls you to new challenges. And he's with us the whole way. And that's really happiness, joy, and life is really found in not holding on to the dead, not holding on to the old But letting those pass away like bad ringtones like that in the middle of the sermon. And it's my mother-in-law. Can you believe that? (laughs) And to walk in a newness of life. And I'll give you this lighthearted story to help drive a deeper point home. I was at the doctor's office a few weeks ago just going for a routine checkup. Actually, it's when I got bit by a mosquito that looked, I was sure I had Lyme disease. And so I said, it finally happened, bullseye, it was a mosquito. But so I'm waiting in the waiting office, and there's a, this cute older couple. They're probably in their 70s or early 80s, and they're sitting there waiting for their doctor's visit. <coughs> Excuse me. And this lady pulls out of her <coughs> pocketbook an old brown wallet with so much pride. She pulls this wallet out of her uh, um, pocketbook, and she looks at her husband and says, I've had this wallet since I was a teenager. She was like, in my day, you didn't throw anything away. And the guy looked at her like, gave her that honey. He said, the kids have given you so many wallets over the years. What are you doing with all the new wallets they're giving you? They're in a shoebox in the attic. I take them, I put them right in a shoebox, and I hide them away in the attic. And he said, I, I t- this, basically the husband was like, this is getting ridiculous. Start using some of this new stuff. Your kids are, the kids are buying you. She says, no. I learned never to throw anything away. And I'll paraphrase, this person doesn't change. Even though it was cute and lighthearted, I'm going to use this light story to demonstrate something God wants to do in our life. Because in some ways, it's a shame that she won't use her kids' gifts. For example, let me give you this. I call this being stuck in a moment. And many times we get stuck in a moment in our life, meaning it's not the 19 and 30s and and 40s, meaning we're not in a depression anymore. 
Many people who come out of the 1930s and 40s, they live stuck in that moment when they felt like they had nothing. Many of us grew up, maybe we were poor and didn't have anything, and we could never get out of that moment where we felt like, we're going to lose, we're not going to pay the bills, maybe we lost the house, maybe something happened that caused a brokenness would cause us to be fearful with money, right? And so we get into seasons of the life where that, that's not maybe the case anymore, and we can pay the bills, and all of a sudden, we're still stuck in that moment of fear, and we live according to that moment of fear. So this woman is still living as if she's in the depression, but the problem is it's 2018. She's at a doctor's office in Melrose, and her kids have money to buy her gifts, and her bills are paid. So it's a shame to live in the past when God has brought us into new seasons, and we don't have to be stuck in the moment of poverty or depression. Do you guys hear what I'm preaching with that? But we can hold on to old mentalities and we can actually, God's bringing us into new seasons and we're living in 20 years ago in the past. That's called being stuck in a moment. And sin does that. It brings us in a circle. We think we're the same person. We think the same thing's gonna happen. We're afraid and we get stuck in the cage of the moment. Secondly, a gift is not only for the person who receives it. A gift is for the giver also because it gives them joy when they see you using the gift that they bought you. Is there anything worse when you buy someone a gift and you never see it? You're like, where's that frying pan I bought you? Oh, I got tucked in the attic. One day I'll fry something. There's nothing worse than giving that person the gift that never uses it, that uses it, that puts it in the shoebox in the attic. When we receive gifts, that's not just about me. It's about me bringing joy and the people receiving glory and joy that got me the gift. That woman, and I want to say in a lighthearted way, she robbed her kids of all the joy of pulling that wallet out. What you got? Saying, I got my mom that wallet. You see that wallet? I got it for my mom. We rob people of joy when we don't walk in the gifts they give us. And the reason I share this is because God... Many times we do the same thing with our spiritual walk. We hold on to bitterness, okay? And we take it out of our wallet and we almost brag in it. No one messes with me. You cross me once, you're done. That's Bostonian talk. Come on, I'm speaking your language right here. We learned our theology from mafia movies, right? I might give you a second shot. If not, you're on that list. The unbelievable list, right? And we hold on to that bitterness and we talk about that wall and say, I've had this bitterness since I was a teenager and no one's gonna hurt me again. Not again. I got hurt that time and I'll never be hurt again. But God says, take that shoebox out of the attic, pull out that forgiveness and walk in newness of life. Do you guys hear what I'm preaching? Some of us, we were formerly in our old lives, we were gossips. When we gather with our friends, we gather to tear people down. We, we, we gather to promote drama. We love drama. It's become a familiar spirit to us. That if we're not in the chaos, if we're not talking about people, if we're not causing drama, we feel uncomfortable in the quietness of life. So a quiet life, we don't walk in because we want to keep the noise so we don't have to deal with the internal matters that God is bringing to the forefront of our life so we can walk in freedom. And we take out that wallet and we say, I'm going to keep gossiping. I love drama. I'm going to live in it. But God is saying, there's a shoebox in the attic that I have for you. Open that up, and I'm going to show you how to walk in a newness of life where your words can be used to encourage people. 
Well, your words can be used to lift and build people up. That's what the scripture said our words for. They're made to encourage and build up, and most of all, to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen? So this is the kind of walking in the newness of life that I want to talk about today. And there's two big points that I want you guys to hear. I want us to leave old things buried in the grave, and I want us to rise and walk in newness of life, those things that God has for us to walk in. Because many of us, God is speaking, the Holy Spirit is speaking to our heart, and he's saying, open up that shoebox. I want you to walk in this, and I want us not to be grave diggers and dig out old ways and hold on to them. I want us to walk in the resurrection power of Jesus because that's where you'll find happiness and freedom and the love you're really looking for in Christ. So we'll start here about leaving things buried. The old man, the old ways, leaving them in the grave. So in the scripture it's saying when Christ died, our sin, our old ways were buried with him. Apostle Paul had just wrote in the previous chapter, he's talking about something that's very important for us to understand, that we are righteous before God by faith alone, through grace alone, and Christ alone. He said we can't do enough good works to earn the favor of God. That's dead religion. When we think we can be good enough, be loving enough, be perfect enough to earn God's favor, we will constantly live in condemnation, we will be depressed, we will be anxious, we will feel like God doesn't love us. He's saying that's not the gospel because no one can earn the favor of God. He's saying the gospel is this, that Christ did everything we could not do. That Christ was perfect, that Christ was sinless, that Christ was God, and that Christ was buried, our old man was buried. He said all you must do is believe that and it's accounted unto you as righteousness. You see that in the Old Testament. It said Abraham believed that God's word was true to him, and God accounted to him as righteousness. So that's the great imputation. Martin Luther, the great theologian, will talk about that. He says that's the great exchange. It says Jesus' perfect righteousness on the cross by faith is imputed to us and our filthy rags, sinful acts, sinful deeds, past, present, and future is put on Christ by faith. That's a great spiritual mystery. That's the power of the gospel. He's saying that is true. But he's saying, don't get it twisted. That doesn't mean we live any way we want to live. Don't get grace twisted. Because when you follow Christ, when you're baptized, that means that those old ways, our sinful ways, are dead and you walk in the newness of life. Everyone who's put faith in Christ is called to live like Christ. It's called to love like Christ. It's called to forgive like Christ. It's called to be kind like Christ. It's called to be gentle like Christ. It's called to, called to put others before themselves like Christ. This is the newness of life that the Apostle Paul, and he's comparing it to Adam. He said, where Adam, the first image bearer of God, where he sinned, and because he sinned, death entered, and all the brokenness we know of in our world today. He said, he compared him to Jesus and said, now that Jesus has rose from the grave, he has brought life instead of the death of Adam. So you can walk in a newness of life. Actually, eternal life begins the day you put your faith in Christ. Because all those who are in Christ will never taste death, even though those bodies will die. The moment we take our last breath, we will be in the arms of Christ. This is an important thing to know. You know, he's saying don't be grave diggers. 
Don't be grave diggers. You know, I used to um, try to, I'm a guy who will get rid of stuff. So if this shirt hasn't been worn in 18 months, this shirt had its day. Okay? I will throw a shirt out. I've been like that since high school because there's nothing worse than buying a new shirt. You look in your closet and you're like, okay, I haven't worn that in 18 months. And you got no space. So I get a little bag in high school or, or post high school and I'll throw stuff in it and say, I'm going to buy new shirts. These old shirts I haven't worn in two years. They're just taking up space. I would think those shirts were gone. About three months later, I'd see my stepfather walk into the room with the shirt on. And I'd say, I'd just, I'd give a double take. I'd be like, is that my Tommy Hilfiger? That was in in the late 90s, you understand? When you had the Tommy Hilfiger, it was serious. I said, wait, I threw that in the trash. He was a trash picker. He'd go into my trash, and he'd have a full wardrobe. He was in style like a decade before. And my father, I said, Jose, stop picking my trash. It's my stepfather, Jose. He said, stop picking my trash. And he just, ha, 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 ha. And he wouldn't stop. But I share that story because Jesus has thrown some things in the grave in our lives, and we're picking the trash. We're picking the trash. Like when we first started following Jesus, we were like, okay, I'm going to walk in a newness of life. But then the struggles and the trials hit. And we reached back in that grave and we pulled out lustful practices. And we wanted to put that shirt back on. And Jesus says, why did you grave dig and put that shirt back on? I threw that away for a reason. Some of us are dumpster diving. Spiritually. Just legs hanging out at the top of the dumpster. I want you to keep that mental image next time you go to pick the trash. And things are getting rough. You feel a little lonely. You've made a few bad decisions. And you've reached in the dumpster and you're trying to pull out old things because you think that they will satisfy and they're going to leave you empty because the old man is dead. Walk in the newness of life. Don't believe the lie that the old ways, living like the old man, that that is going to bring you the life you're looking for. Jesus said, all those who want life, all those who want living water, all those who want the bread of life, follow me. Come after me. I have what you're looking for. I have what you're looking for. We need to leave that evil and old man dead. And baptism is signifying full burial, full covering of our old man in the grave. And secondly, baptism rises to new life. The beautiful imagery we see in baptism is just like Jesus was buried and rose again. Our old man is buried and we walk in newness of life. It's like dramatizing and rewinding the most beautiful story ever told. It's the gospel that Jesus died and was buried and that he rose again. Every baptism is that Jesus died and buried and rose again. You know when you love a favorite part of the movie, you like rewind it. I want to see it again. It was that powerful. It was that moving. It was that funny. For me, that would be like Braveheart. I could watch that thing 532 times. 
my wife walk in the living room when he puts up that sword and he's just like freedom. I could just be pacing the floor at two in the morning. Rewind it. I want to see it again. That gets me fired up. With baptism, we're seeing what Jesus has done for us again. When Ryan goes under, we're understanding, but before the foundation of the world, the scripture says that God chose to love Ryan and he chose to send his son to die for Ryan so Ryan's old man could be put in the grave and so Ryan would never taste death and live eternally. Is that a powerful thing? Is that a powerful thing? Every person here, Roger, Roberta, Edith, Mike, Brendan, Eddie, Steve, all those who are in Christ because of what he has done, we will never taste death and we will never pay the consequences for our sin because Jesus Christ took the punishment. There's so much freedom in that. There's so much beauty in that. And when we rise from the water, we rise with Christ. Baptism means we rise to newness in life. New things, new seasons, new victories are needed for a joyful life in God. See, many of us, God is calling, the Holy Spirit is beckoning, and he's saying, I'm calling you into something new, and it's so good for you. See, sometimes we hold on to things that are old because we think that we can love ourselves more than God can love us. We think that God doesn't have our best interest in mind. So we want to hold on to the past. But God is saying, no, I have your best interest in mind. And I can see what you can't see. And I'm calling you to walk in newness of life. And you'll have joy you never had. I'm going to take you off those empty roads. And I'm going to put you on hopeful roads that lead to life. And that's that newness of life. And when someone walks in newness of life, it makes them free. It makes them happy. And it brings glory to God. One of the greatest joys I have as a pastor is I get to witness people walk in newness of life. I get to see people who had a stronghold grip of anxiety where they wouldn't even leave their house. They, they wouldn't even make friends. They struggled with social anxiety. They struggled with anxiety if God loves them. And they struggle with all kinds of anxiety they don't even share with people. All of a sudden, as I see them in the community of God and I see them hear the word of God and I see them baptized and I see them walk with Jesus, I see those strongholds start to break. And I see smiles back on their faces. I see friends being made. I see them realizing that God loves them. I see tears in the pews. I say they're starting to get the love of God. They get to walk in that newness of life. I've seen many of you who addiction had a stronghold on your life. Addicted to the needle or to the bottle or to the pills. And you knew it, but you couldn't get out of it. And there was only one who could set you free, and that was Jesus Christ. And he made you new. And I've seen some of you walk in sobriety for one, two, three, four, five, six, and more years. Because God did not save you to keep you in bondage. He saved you to walk in newness of life. So you never have to go back. Amen? That's the beauty of walking in the newness of life of Christ. Over the past few years, we've got to baptize 41 people. Is that a wonderful thing for our little church? A wonderful, wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit's been doing. So many people walking in newness of life. And as I reflected on the sermons this week, I just wanted to share a few names with you that I have been able to be part of your baptisms. Uh, maybe me and Dave, Natalie, Talia, Kara, Jacqueline, Kylie, Jovec, 
Devin McNellis, Steve McNeil, Cliffy, Donna, Trevor, Taylor, Jerry, Danny, Missy, Shannon, Olivia, Ariella, Dennis, Jen, Steve DeVincent, Erica, Mike, Julie, Frankie, and Tori have all walked in newness of life the last few years. Was that good? Right? That's Jesus. That's Jesus doing a new thing in our lives and walking in newness of life. Those are real names with real people with real newness of life who are walking in the grace of God and who will never be the same. He caused us to rise to newness of life and it's a milestone in our life when we are baptized. When we come out, come out of that water, we are a new person with a new family, with a new savior and a new life. So I want to give these few application questions as we get towards the end of the sermon. I want to ask you this. Are there things you've been digging up from the grave that God is calling you to bury back in the grave in Christ? What are you digging up from the grave that you know you should be leaving in the grave? Would you bury that in Christ and leave it in the dumpster? Leave it in the trash? Leave it in the grave where Christ put it. Have some of you dug up from the grave self-centeredness, making yourself the center of the universe, and you need to bury that mentality because it kills and adopt a posture of meekness where you put others before yourself. Have some of you went dumpster diving and found bitterness and put it back on And Jesus Christ is calling you to forgive today because he has forgiven you of so much. Have some of you picked the trash up and adopted the mentality of a busybody and used your words to gossip, tear down, and create drama. And God is calling you to put on Christ and use your words to bring life, to encourage, and to lift up. Whatever the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, I pray and I ask you today to leave it in the grave and walk in newness of life. And the second question I want to ask you, what are the specific things that God is calling you to walk in during this season of life, like the fruits of the Spirit? I'll just give you an example of what the Holy Spirit's been doing in my heart a sinful practice I've been working so hard over the last few years, I realized I was a very rude person. When I say rude, there's another word for that in our culture that we use to justify it. It's called real. Any real people out there? With like two friends, like I got friends because I'm real up in here. No, you're most likely rude like me. Okay, most likely that's rude. Um, and I want to say that in the kindest way because I was a professor of the real doctrine for 20 years. They teach us to us young in Boston. Where I've had to watch my words so closely because I'll get street real quick and I'll get, if you cross me, and I'll get, I can use my posture and my looks without knowing it to try to manipulate people through intimidation. Let me say this in a way so you understand. In this way, I want to show you I'm not happy with you, so you do what I want you to do. Okay? It is so scary for me through my life to even think about giving that up because that's my brown wallet that I held on to to get my own way. 
where I've apologized to people more than ever in my life for the last two years. Like even living with my in-laws, I feel like I give two apologies a day. Listen, hey, I was rude to you. I apologize. I love you. All right, let's move on. Like I'm just constantly realizing that my words may not be kind. My looks, because you know you speak in body language, um, more than words sometimes. 80% of our communication is through the way we look at people, the way we respond to people, and the way we posture. And so God was saying, Joey... I need you to focus on kindness. I want you to become a kind person, a gentle person. And so I knew that I had to walk in that newness of life, and it's going to take time. But I want to ask you, what is the fruit of the Spirit that God is calling you to walk in? So you can throw that brown, brown wallet away and take whatever you need to take out of the shoebox. So maybe for some of you, the Holy Spirit has been moving you like me to be more kind to people. And kindness, simply defined, is to have the courage to treat others the way you want to be treated. To treat others the way you want to be treated, to have that courage, is to be kind because it makes you vulnerable. And when you're kind, you will get hurt sometimes, but you will get to know Jesus better. Has the Holy Spirit been calling you to be more gentle in your treatment of others, more gentle with your words? We're very harsh in our culture. We're very harsh, but Jesus is calling us to be gentle with our words, to be kind with our words. Maybe God's calling you to be gentle. Would you take that wallet out of the shoebox and walk in the newness of life that that is? Has the Holy Spirit been teaching you to be more joyful in your communication and prayer? No, there's so much to be grateful for in this new life. And we can get sidetracked by meditating and thinking about the things that aren't perfect. And God is saying, look around you and look what I've done in your life. I've given you so many good gifts. Rejoice in them. Rejoice that you have someone to love you. Rejoice that you have family. Rejoice that you have a home with heat. Rejoice that you have a church with people who love you. Rejoice most of all that you have a God that saved you. Maybe God's calling you to be grateful in prayer and meditate on those things which are pure and holy and from above. Whatever it is, when he's calling you to be patient or peaceful or more self-controlled, will you take that wallet out of the shoebox and walk in the newness of life in Christ? And I'll finish with this. Jesus Christ took on death, took on our sin, and was buried So we don't have to live tormented by our old ways, our old man, and we don't have to go dumpster diving. He has a bunch of new things for us. A new life with new seasons, with new people, with new victories. Where your life can be something that you never thought it could be because you had faith in God and carried the whole way. And you got to walk in the resurrection power of Jesus. That's my prayer for you. Our, our family, every day, and that's my prayer for you even today and this week, that you walk in newness of life and receive the joy that only comes through Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful God you are that we can come into this place, into this sacred place, gathered as your people, 
to worship your holy name and know that these words from your scriptures are true. That reality is, Father, you have forgiven our sins through Jesus. That reality is that we will never taste death if we have put our faith in you, but rather eternal life awaits us. Reality is you know better what's best for our life than we do, and we can trust you and walk in new things and be obedient to your will. Lord, I pray that the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, patience, peace, joy, kindness, self-control, that those are things that we grab onto and that we walk with and we find so much life, so much faith, so much joy, so many smiles, so many reconciled and restored relationships because we have walked in the newness of life that only comes in you. Spirit of God, we thank you for your power. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.